This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, certainly, we're talking a lot these days about uh, fentanyl addiction, the broader crisis of opioid addiction, uh, and how to mitigate the problem, how to address it in the long run. And so it's encouraging to see that, you know, this is getting attention and that people are, are trying to put different ideas on the table. Uh, so the story of what one Calgary resident is proposing to do has opened another debate, though, the, the debate around NIMBYism and how much say should residents of a neighborhood have in something that someone is proposing to do to address this situation. Uh, because maybe in some cases there are legitimate concerns. In other cases, maybe it's, it's irrational opposition to something that could make a difference. So where does this fall? Here's the story in the Metro today. An angry letter warning Calgary residents that their neighbor wants to turn his home into an addiction treatment center may have had the opposite effect the author intended. Nearly four years into recovery from a vicious opiate and fentanyl addiction, Vet Ran recently applied to rezone his property in the neighborhood of Windsor Park so he can fulfill his dream, opening a facility to help others who are recovering from substance use disorder. However, some of his neighbors aren't happy about the plan. An anonymous letter circulated in the neighborhood over the weekend claimed the center would devalue properties and bring potentially dangerous individuals into the area. So I want to find out a bit more about what this proposal involves and whether these are legitimate concerns uh, being raised by people in the area. So joining us on the line is the aforementioned veteran. Mr. Ran, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Uh, really good. So let's start with, I want to give you an opportunity to explain what it is you're, you're hoping to do and how your home fits into this. Uh, so basically, I myself am a recovering opiate and fentanyl addict. I've been clean for almost four years now. Um, I went to four treatment centers in uh, Canada. The last one that actually helped me and uh, I was able to stay uh, clean since I attended it was uh, uh center in uh, Comox, British Columbia called CRBC. Um, it was situated in a residential area, just like my home across the street from uh, uh, Green Space. Uh, the stay here, you know, the stay there saved my life. They allowed me to get integrated with the local space and community, and I was welcomed with open arms, you know. So when we walked the residential street and came in contact with people that lived there, we were accepted. They would ask us, are you guys from the treatment center? We would reply yes, and we're told, good for you. There's such a big problem here with drugs, and, and that's what's going on in, in every community in Calgary currently. Um, they didn't hide their children when we approached. Rather, they welcomed us into their community and assured us that the path we were taking is commendable. You know, And because of that, I got on my feet in that community, and I thank every single person that helped me finally regain connection that I lost throughout my addiction. You know, um, They say the opposite of addiction is human connection, and I was able to achieve that with the help of society's acceptance. Okay, so what, what do you think that you have to offer? Where do you see you and in, in your own home here playing a role? Yeah, well, uh, I'm currently enrolled in addiction community support worker. I start on May 29th. I'm going to finish that course, so I'm going to work alongside uh, a well-educated psychologist that will be uh, working for us as well. Now, this is interesting because you, you have a wife and child, right? Yes. So, I mean, I wouldn't think that you would intentionally do anything reckless uh, that, that would put them at risk. But I guess others in the neighborhood, they, they do think this is potentially dangerous. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that, that, that comes back to, you know, people are driven by fear. That letter that was handed out to the community 
uh, drove more fear into people's minds. Um, you know, these are all false, you know, assumptions that, you know, uh, addicts are criminals or that, you know, they devalue properties. There's no evidence to support any of that. Rather, there is evidence to support that they don't. Drug treatment centers are a public health need. They are as necessary as urgent care centers and emergency departments. You know, moving forward, our community should work with us in unity to accept people struggling with addiction and support them to reintegrate them into society. Right, and I think a lot of people would agree with that, that, that certainly we need that, but it seems to be a case of, but not here, not in my neighborhood. Yeah, but, but where then, it, or what? I mean, the question is, if I was to open a flower shop in my house, would my neighbors oppose? I probably think that they would. They would find some reason to say, not in my backyard, I don't want a commercial building uh, being, uh, you know, right beside my home. The thing is, you know, the the lady apologized because of that letter, and I, I accepted that apology. I didn't, you know, go out and, and, and mail my own letter. I didn't, I let things happen, and, you know, it worked out uh, for us because, you know, at first I thought, okay, so I'm trying to do a good thing here, but people are making me seem like I'm doing something bad, but when in reality, you know, if they understood or were well-educated on, you know, the problems we face today in society, they would agree that, you know, an addict can be a brother, a sister, a co-worker, a neighbor, you know, I mean, a successful businessman. I went to treatment with doctors, with lawyers, with police officers, you know, so addiction doesn't discriminate, you know, and all walks of life are affected. And, you know, yeah, it might be the street level too, but it doesn't matter. There's people that are less fortunate and I was in those shoes once and I feel like I need to give back what was I was so freely given. Well, I mean, there are zoning issues here, which is why you've, you've had to go to the city regarding yeah. this. And so, I, I mean, I think, yeah, anyone who lives in a neighborhood, you move in because, you know, you assume that it's a certain way. So if all of a sudden what was residential is going to become commercial or something else, right, there's, there's a process to be followed. Of course, of course. Yeah, and, and you know, I... You know, my dream that, you know, having some big center with 50 beds and, you know, on, on some pristine land in front of a lake, you know, I don't have the resources to do that. And, and you know, I did my, my research and found out that a discretionary change of use uh, for residential zoning as my house is, uh, addiction treatment is one of the things listed that is possible. So, you know, once I found that out, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And once I, you know, did a little more thinking and um, planning, you know, I realized that the whole thing about it is the treatment centers I went to prior to the one that was in the residential area were secluded. You know, I would stay for two, three months. And um, once I left, I was still overcome with fear and anxiety because of society and the stigma around addiction that would lead me back to using but the, the, the last treatment center I went to that was in a residential area, you know, that community accepted me and I was able to, to meet people in recovery and not in recovery, just uh, regular people and, and be able to, to uh, achieve success in life. Now, you, you, so you're talking about ideally it would be a, a 10 bed, uh, basically a healing space in, in your home. So you'd have potentially as many as 10 people staying in your home? Yeah, well, that uh, that was kind of um, that was uh, that information wasn't correct. I, I was going to contact um, the lady that I wrote it. It was six to eight. The okay. thing I 
he actually read the letter. The letter said up to 10 individuals, but when in reality it was it's six to eight. Okay, so potentially six to eight people staying in your home. Now, is there the potential, though, that, that those people would, would, would be using while they're staying there? Mm, well, there are strict policies in play, and this is going to be regulated by Alberta Health. So, I mean, if you do use, you're out of here. You know, we do, we will give people a second chance. And, you know, if they do, you know, let's say a month later down the road, decide that they want to get clean again, then, then we would accept them back, right? And, and let them come in free of charge. The thing is, um, I, through my experience in treatment centers, you know, um, not once a fight broke out, not once something was broken, nothing was stolen. Um, n- never cops were called to the locations where I stayed. Um, yes, people did relapse, but that did not happen on site necessarily. Like most people, they would leave, they would relapse, they wouldn't come back because, I mean, you can't hide, you know, being uh, under the influence of certain drugs, and it's pretty obvious. So. Right. And look, here's another point, because I, I think you're right. I, I don't think we should paint all addicts with the same brush. But, you know, certainly even what we hear from the police chief, when we talk about an increase in crime in Calgary, right, they point to this, this fentanyl crisis as one of the reasons behind that. So, so there seems to be a link then between this problem and crime rates. So is there the potential for, for that in this neighborhood? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, crime is already happening. My neighbor's house got broken into... Uh, regardless of an addiction treatment center, beside it or not. And, uh, you know, I believe that uh, if this was addiction treatment center at the time, that possibly their house wouldn't have got broken into because there would have been supervision and someone here 24-7. You know, uh, regarding the matter of, uh, like, you're coming back to our addicts criminals, and, you know, I, I don't believe that's true. And people here will be in recovery. This is a place of healing, a place where people talk about their feelings, they get vulnerable, and uh, they share their stories of their life. You know, there's lots of crying and there's lots of healing and, and laughing. And, you know, that's, that's why I would love to show people in our community to take them to Addiction Treatment Center and what goes on there and, and for them to realize, you know, it, it's not as it seems to them. Why does it need to be in your home, though? There are probably areas of town where maybe you would have an easier time setting something like this up and you would still be able to, to help people. Why does the location matter? Yeah. Well, I I don't have the resources. I, I mean, I'm moving out of my house. I'm moving back with my parents, with my wife and my kid for this to happen. You know, I, I don't have uh, any of the resources to go in and, and buy a place or whatever. But I, regardless of that, I don't think the location matters. And I, and I feel like the, um, situating it in a residential area is uh, a proper step to ending the stigma, showing people that it's not how they think it is and letting the the addicts um you know be accepted for who they are because for so long they lived in shame and guilt and fear um and society fueled that all right so uh, where does this all go from here then so from here um i'm going to be attending a community association meeting tomorrow at 7 p.m. to let people uh, know what's going on and also basically be there to end the stigma of addiction and educate people, show them the evidence, the clear links that what they're thinking and and uh, the dangers that they perceive to be um, are not true and they're totally false. And after that, it's, it's up to the city. Um, you know, uh, 
hopefully they can come to a decision and uh, realize that Calgary needs more beds. There are many, many uh, people on wait lists in uh, treatment centers in Calgary that range from four to six months waiting list. And, you know, what that tells me is uh, people are willing to get clean, um, but the resources aren't there. Yeah, that's certainly true. All right, well, we'll follow this closely. Uh, Ved, thanks for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, take care. There you go. That's uh, Ved Ran, lives in uh, Windsor Park, former addict himself, and he's looking for ways to to give back and help others uh, get through what he had to go through. As mentioned... Not everybody in the neighborhood's happy about the idea. So it's uh, going to be a tough call for the city to make here. 403-974-TALK. I want to get your reaction. We're back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. Our number here, 403-974-TALK. That's 974-8255. So I'm here for your calls and your texts and get a lot of reaction. This idea, Ved Ran is his name, lives in Windsor Park, and wants to set up a 6 to 8 bed healing space in his home uh, to help addicts. There's a lot of resistance in the neighborhood. Let's uh, go to the phones. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I just don't want to understand why people like in communities don't understand that there's already addicts in the community. I was, I'm a recovering addict myself who had uh, a one percenter. I still have my one percent job, you know, making two fifty a year, and and I still lived in that community. Nobody knew. That, that I was an actor, nobody knows that I'm an act, right? And people who are trying to get the help, they're not going to, they're not there to steal stuff. They're there to get help. So I don't see why people would be worried about them, you know, trying to get the help that they, you know, because if, if they didn't want, if they weren't there to get the help, they wouldn't be in the neighborhood anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Jonathan, yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Right, and I mean, this, these are people who are trying to get some help. And maybe that's a different kind of situation. But I do understand people in the neighborhood wanting to know exactly what's going on here. Right, because they're, they're potentially going to be impacted by this, right? I mean, there, there are no guarantees in life. So I, I don't think it's irrational for people in the neighborhood wanting to understand wh- how is this going to work exactly? What are we talking about here? Uh, but further to Jonathan's point, got a text here. It says, I live in Prittis. There's a small treatment center right near the hamlet. The residents of the center have been excellent community members. There's never been a problem from them. The locals have learned to embrace these neighbors. And we have a couple of high-income snobs out here. There's a, uh, these small treatment facilities are harmless and do great work. So there you go. There's, there's another take on it. But there's also this. Uh, this text says, I mean, it's a business. Regardless of whether it was a pizza shop or a pub or whatever, I wouldn't want all the extra traffic and comings and goings. That's why we have business areas. Right? So there's potentially a zoning issue. And, and look, credit to, to Vet. I mean, he's going about this the right way rather than just simply trying to do it on the, the down low. Uh, he's upfront about what he's trying to do, and he he's, wants to get the city to sign off. Because, yeah, there are zoning issues. So decisions need to be made. Uh, Got another text here from Charlotte, though, who says, I disagree that there are no repercussions or depreciated values. Uh, We had a group home move into a house two doors down in Coventry. Uh, Two of the males inside smoked, so the operators put two chairs on the front curb along the sidewalk with a pot for ashes. It was five degrees or warmer. One or both men were outside smoking. It was bad enough we couldn't garden or do yard work in front of our own home. We also found out one of the men was not supposed to be near children, yet he was two doors down from my four- and eight-year-old. This revelation was how the landlord finally argued for their removal. 
And by the way, after the group home left, they left the chairs across the sidewalk, the pot of ashes, and a number of pieces of furniture. We found out from the new renters. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the nature of that particular situation. Obviously, someone who's not supposed to be around kids, that's a big problem. In terms of the smoking, I don't know that that's necessarily any different from having neighbors who smoke because you're still allowed to smoke these days. Anyway, 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.